Welcome, Digital Difference Makers. Today with me, I've got John Kasher, one of Australia's leading financial advisors. Welcome, John. Um, hey, mate. How are you? Um, glad to be on this one. Um, obviously, I've been following yourself for quite a while and it's um, you've been making a digital difference, I can tell you that. So it's uh, great to jump on. No, it's a pleasure to have you on, man, as well. I mean, we've obviously been connected for a while and you know, I'm seeing everything you're doing, but yet, who's John Kasher? What do you do? Uh, well, first and foremost, I'm a husband and a father. Um, that kind of goes without saying. That's my personal life. But um, outside of that, I'm a financial advisor and uh, run a financial national financial advisory business, um, essentially helping people to realize their, their dreams by putting in, in plan, you know, putting plans in place to make sure that we've got a good, strong pathway and, and, um, and system to achieve all of their life aspirations. And, you know, as there's a lot of people say that, you know, financial advisors, it's all about the money. Um, and we try to kind of demystify that. Um, yes, you know, money is important, but money is not the goal. Uh, money is definitely uh, the vehicle to the goal. And that's what I try and teach. And look, I mean, like before I met you, I don't know one thing that I always thought about with financial, I, I was trying to weigh up, you know, what's the difference between, I know there is a difference, but what's the difference between an accountant and a financial advisor? Like everyone's used to going to their accountant. That's like, you know, you have to do to get your tax done and everything like that. Well, what's the difference? Why does someone go to financial advisor? You know, I'm sure they work to help each other out, but what's the difference? Yeah, and it's a it's a major misconception that um, people have. So you know, Job, you're not the only one. So uh, for a long, long time, accountants used to be um, the financial advisor of most people's financial world. Okay, and because they'd go to see them for their tax returns, and they'd had they'd had they would have open conversation about their finances. And um, a few years ago, the government saw this sense of confusion, and uh, the government put a a line you know, through the sand and said, accountants, you do this and financial advisors, you do this. Now, um, the main difference, as I kind of like to put it in layman's terms, is an accountant's there to do a couple of things, okay? But mainly specifically in regards to your tax. So number one, what have you already done? Okay, where have you already spent your money? Where have you already earned your money? Okay, and then trying to report that to the ATO in the most tax effective way, okay, so that you don't pay a lot in tax, okay? Now, that, uh, good accountants will also give you some advisory, especially if you're in business, okay, around some stuff that you can do to minimize your tax, okay? But it's very tax focused, as you can see what I'm talking here, okay? It's all about tax. So they can't tell you, for example, Job, um, you should be investing your money in X, okay? Um, and that is best for you because that constitutes personal advice. And unless your accountant has a financial advisory license, they can't do that. But that would be the same as me as a financial advisor having a tax agent license, okay? Um, so they have to have they have to be licensed as a financial advisor to give advice. So to make it kind of simple, as a financial advisor, we're looking at your scenario and saying, okay, well, what do we need to do today? to get to where you need to get to tomorrow. So we're forward looking, okay? So we're really about, okay, well, I don't know, let's talk a business. We're looking at that bottom line, that profit, okay? And saying, okay, well, how are we going to create that profit 
to turn it into personal wealth, okay? And then to meet your goals and objectives. I want to pay off my debt by the time I'm, you know, 15 years. I want to, you know, uh, be able to retire in 20 years. Well, what strategies and solutions do we need to apply to you today to make that happen, okay? Now, I'm presuming, obviously, a lot of your followers and listeners would be businesses as well, too. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So, so, you know, in businesses, that accountant relationship's even stronger as well, okay? But what it is is that most business owners we find struggle to convert that profit into personal wealth. They keep on reinvesting back into their business with the hope that it's going to grow, yeah? But if you just take a moment and you think why you went into business for the first time, it's usually to live out the lifestyle that you want, yeah? So we need to be making sure that we're not grabbing that profit and turning it and reinvesting it into this business that becomes this cash-eating monster, okay? What we want to do is grab that profit and turn it into personal wealth to achieve your personal goals. So yes, your business is thriving, but so is your personal wealth thriving. Not many businesses by the end of their time create a saleable asset, Joe, okay? So we need to be making sure that we've got, if we've got a cash flow business, which most businesses are, we need to be able to turn that cash flow into personal wealth so that you can live, live with income in the most tax effective manner and also live out the life that you want to. I think what wealth's an interesting thing, right? Isn't it? Like I've, I remember back when I was working at the pub, like this is years ago when I first left school and me and another guy were talking. He he was kind of like, oh, "I'm never gonna earn like over sixty k. I'm never gonna like you know be able to. You know, I'm never gonna be able to be rich. You know, and and we were talking about it because I, I sort of knew a bit more around money at that time. And I remember saying to him like, "We, you could be more wealthy in 10, 20 years time than someone that earns." hundred thousand dollars a year just from where you're putting that money inside so, and, and i don't think a lot of other you know i've probably been just been lucky to grow up with around people that help me see it like that but you know do you see a lot of people like my friend at the pub who don't really see money like that it's very income not necessarily wealth because i suppose you'd make a distinction between the two right well, uh, yeah, you're right, Joe. I see this every day and there's, there's two main things that are happening there. So usually you're grown up with um, money, a certain money mindset, okay? And, um, or you've got certain beliefs around money, okay? So, you know, I'm just going to kind of assume, you know, your friend, for example, if I would have gone and look at maybe the family who grew up with or the circle of people that were around him, their ceiling was very low, okay? And their beliefs that they couldn't achieve. And I'm going to put this in another way or a different analogy, Okay. Let's say your friend grew up in a family where they always succeeded, okay? They were quite wealthy. They had business, great business acumen. They would achieve, they would achieve, they would achieve. Those people that are growing up in their families, their like ceiling is huge, you know? Like it's, it's all got to do with the beliefs that are around you. And, and personally myself, I grew up around a family where, you know, my father, besides my father, everyone had really low like ceilings of capability okay um my family comes from malta okay uh, the nazis bombed them for four years straight they came over to australia with literally nothing so it was like just get a job put food on the table get a job put food on the table do you know what i mean so you need to be able to kind of 
and we do this obviously with our clients over time, is help them break through these ceilings, okay? But also the misconception people have is that the more income they've got, okay, the better their life will be. It's not what you make, it's what you keep that matters, okay? And so, for example, yesterday, as I do this every day, guys earning about $320,000 a year has nothing to show for it. Nothing, zero. All getting blown, credit card debts, tax debts, you name it, okay? Um, there's no system. There's no framework. There's no planning for one, two, five, ten 10 years away. So money's coming in, money's going out. And that's not the way to accumulate wealth and create you know, a, a successful life. Um, he's, he's did everything he wants to do. Therefore, he needs to start selling things he needs, okay? There's a thing that's uh, in today's day and age, you keep buying things you want, soon you're going to have to start selling things you need, okay? So you've got one, self-limiting beliefs, and then you've got two, what you do with your money, okay? And I can, I can tell you straight off the bat, yeah, I would say seven out of 10 people who money has grown substantially in regard, sorry, incomes have grown substantially are in the same position they were probably 10 years ago on half the income they were. And they come to me and they go, we're earning great incomes, but our business has flourished, for example, but we've got nothing to show for it. Yeah, we might have that nice house, but it's got heaps of debt on it. Yes, we've got that nice car, but it's, it's leased. Like when we boil it down and they're opening, discussing with them, they've kind of been staying still for the last 10 years. Yeah. And yes, they might have nice bags or shoes or, or, you know, shirts or tights or whatever, the materialistic things, but really to the crux of it, if I looked them in the eyeballs and said, are you closer to stop trading time for money or not? They're like, we're probably further away. Yeah. Which is, which is scary. But the good thing about it is there's ways that we can fix it. Like even this guy that we're talking about, he's 57 years of age. Yeah. Um, he wants, doesn't want to work for the rest of his life. I've gone away, worked through it all, built a plan, worked with him with some trade-offs. And yeah, he's not going to have to work for the rest of his life. You know, he's, he's going to be able to make decisions today that are going to help him to stop trading time for money in a reasonable time period. It's interesting that someone could be earning that much and not have anything. Like for someone that, for like a lot of people that might be listening to this that, you know, business owners, for example, that have hardly taken any money out of their business and the income of getting, you know, $320,000 actually in their bank account, that'd be nuts to them, I would assume. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it's completely doable. Um, but like I can, I think it goes to show like a lot of people at that stage or earlier on that do look at like income as like, yeah. Oh, once I get this amount of money, we'll start saving. Once I get this amount of money, we'll be able to do this with it or we'll be better off in, in 10 years. But you're saying that, yeah, as soon as we go up in income, the spending comes up with it because we're not, we don't really know where to spend our money or how to save it or where to put it or what, you know, not tricks, but you know, for want of a better phrase, tricks to kind of like, keep the money that you know people don't know they can keep as well you know maximizing super and all of that sort of stuff too 
and, and Joe, you know, you know my story and I'm pretty open in sharing this with people. And, you know, I mean this in the most humblest way. I started in the, in the money game at 14 years of age. Yeah. So I implemented this framework that I use for my clients and obviously I've grown and perfected it, but you know, I implemented that really early on with myself. Okay. And by the time we started having kids, so probably around 28 years of age. Yeah. Really. I could have stopped work and never needed to work another day in my life. Now, if you think about that in 14 years, knuckling down with a proper framework. Yeah. And making those things happen. Work became an option, not a requirement. And like I told you just before, I didn't come from a family that was like affluent and had money. Like this was all done from myself, my own learnings, my own teachings and putting together a framework and then applying that to clients. Now, you know, we've done this in our business for, you know, about 13, 14 years for our clients. So, you know, this is from you know, starting off the, you know, the plumber and the handyman that's, you know, working for someone all the way to, you know, the high flying exec, you know, that's got a software company and all of that stuff. So the range doesn't really matter where they're starting at. And for business owners, especially, they need to understand their why, Okay. And then they also need to be making sure that they're getting closer to their personal wealth goals. Their business can keep growing. And I can tell you, there's plenty of businesses out there that get bigger and 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 and their profit margins stay the same. More staff, more costings, more this, more that. Yeah, guys, what are you doing? Yeah, you're creating a massive, hugely stressful business that you can't get out of. You need to pause and wait and go, why did I get into business for the first place? Oh, I hated working, you know, on the schedules that I needed to work. I want to work on my own time. I want to be able to see my kids, um, you know, special events and and do things where I couldn't. I had to ask for leave or whatever the case is going to be. I want to be, you know, passive, sitting on a beach somewhere and still having money, you know, ticking into my bank account. Well, yeah, take a pause. Are you closer to that or are you not closer to that? And I can assure you that when the nuts and bolts out of it is two things. You haven't got a profitable business. You usually got a cash eating monster. Yeah. And two, you haven't created a personal wealth plan to get to where you need to get to. So, you know, it's um, it's a common thing that I see all the time, Job. And, and I'm very fortunate that I learned very early on about how to solve those problems for these type of clients. Right. I think it's an interesting one too. I, I I've been through that myself, you know, and I and I personally I, I really think it comes down to ego for business owners as well. And and people that want to just like get a higher income for the sake of getting a higher income, it's still, you know, money's coming in, money's coming out. If it's coming out at pretty much the same rate, you know, whether it's a business or your personal, it's not good. We need to be looking at the difference. But I remember when, you know, we were set as a business on getting to seven figures. You know, so it's like, great, we need to be earning $100,000 a month. And the goal is way more around revenue than it was profit, which got us into a really sticky situation because like we weren't, there wasn't enough margins. There wasn't enough, um, you know, we weren't getting collecting cash. So we were like one bad month away from being in a really bad position. And that's what we, that's what we went through, which was probably one of the best things that could have happened because, you know, that was like the wake up call to go, oh, yeah, 
it matters a lot more what I'm actually putting aside in terms of profit. And that's not just to put money in my pocket. That's so the business can actually breathe and, and have like a longer life period. Cause yeah, Jesus, I, I think a lot of people get really caught up in like the revenue marks and talking about that, that they create, like you said, a monster that like it's super stressful because they're one bad month away from things falling down personally and for the business so like i suppose that mindset side of it you can see how much it comes into it like do do you find that i suppose once people come to you have they already sort of the ego has sort of already gone away or is there still a little bit of that that you help them work through like in a nice way yeah I'll, i'll usually tell you the stereotypical scenario okay so usually what happens is um, there's a financial controller in the relationship, okay? Usually the case, all right? Let's just take it the husband just for this exercise, okay? So the husband says the financial controller, they're running a business or he's running, say, a business. Um, they've got a couple of kids and she's working maybe part-time or taking care of the kids, okay? Let's just say. And usually what would happen is that the in this scenario, the woman would reach out, okay? And say, hey, listen, I've been following you, say, on social media or whatever is the case, and uh, we want to have a chat. And then when we start opening the chat in this scenario, the financial controller is usually a little bit apprehensive to speak to me. Okay, Think about it like, I don't know, going to see your psychologist, yeah, and the, the partner's grabbing and going, you need to speak to someone. So the initial discussion that I have with most of these people in this scenario is I don't have a problem. Okay, Mm. but there's one in the relationship that knows they've got a problem because, you know, he's in this scenario working, you know, he's working around the clock, you know, we don't have nothing to show for it. You know, we're still having to watch our bills or even if we're not watching our bills, we've got like, you know, we're not, we're not progressing forward. They're frustrated. Yeah, they're frustrated. And I think after a quick conversation, the person starts to realize that there's a few holes in the, in the plan. Okay. Most people simply just haven't even created a plan, a game plan to get to where they need to get to. And if you don't have a clear strategy and you don't have a clear plan, yeah. Now there's obviously more to that. It's like, all right, well, what are your beliefs? What do you, what do you want to do? Um, you know, what's your current pitfalls? And, you know, obviously, you know, nearly doing this for two decades or, or two decades. Um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of issues behind closed doors once I start digging and it only takes me about 10, 15 minutes of digging for me to realize that, geez, you know, you keep going on this path, um, you're going to not be in a good way. And I think once they've realized that, they, there's two reactions that I get. Number one is, oh my God, help us. Like, please make what you just showed us come to life. Yeah. Or two, it's, um, nah, I don't believe it. Nah, nah, we'll be right. She'll be right. Now, obviously the ones that are, she'll be right. Yeah. The same as like going to the psychologist and they never go again. Yeah. But, you know, the one that goes back and says, no, no, the psychologist is, is helping me and I'm going to keep on working with this psychologist and build over time, they're the ones who we obviously have great successes for. But unfortunately, there is a lot of people that sit in that first camp, which is, no, 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 she's right. I've got this. You know, these financial advisors don't tell, you know, can't tell me and stuff like that. 
you know, but I've had to, I used to take that to heart, Job, that I couldn't help everyone. Yeah. But then I realized that not everyone will be successful and not everyone will be wealthy. Yeah. And for me, it's, I used to get frustrated because I'm like, they're losing thousands of dollars or, you know, they're not going to be able to pay off their house. They're going to work for the rest of their lives. But, you know, you can only, you know, you can only take the, you know, the water, the horse, the water, but the the horse has got to drink. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, there's a lot of ego. There's a lot of mindset. There's a lot of, um, you know, I don't want to listen to someone. There's also a little bit of apprehension in regards to changing their ways. Like they probably know that they're wrong. Yeah, but they don't want to make the trade-offs. And there's three main trade-offs that we work with clients if they're not going to achieve their goals, okay? One, earn more money. So in a business, make more profit, yeah? Two, revise your expenses, spend less, yeah? People don't like that, okay? And you get from here to here, it's hard to get from there to there, Yeah. Um, so that one. And then the third one is revising their goals. Yeah. Are they unrealistic? Like seriously, like I know you want to go on a holiday every two years and spend 50 grand in, in the you know French Riviera. Yeah. But can we bring that back to Bali for a week? Do you know what I mean? Like what, what does that like look like? Um, you know, everyone would love to have a certain lifestyle, but it's about having a realistic plan and then having a game plan to do that. And, you know, I've learned a lot from outside of our, our profession and I've looked towards like even the health game and, you know, you speak to people that are in maybe the health game and they want to be bodybuilders and you've always got that person that, you know, is like, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to you know, lift 150 over my head, you know, like, mate, why start with 150 over your head? You know, let's start with, you know, 50, 50 and then work our way up. So setting those expectations right as well too. Well, what would you say to someone that maybe is in that, they're in a relationship and the financial control and maybe the other person really isn't sure how to start that conversation. Do you have any tips on how they can kind of bring it up maybe without triggering that person's ego or like just suggesting it in a nice way that it might be good to have a conversation? Yeah, I think first and foremost, you need to be open in your discussions around money first and foremost, which I think is lacking across the board. But I think a very good one for me, if I was that person, would just be saying, okay, well, that's cool. Um, I know you've got this. Can you just map it out for me? Yeah. Can you just map it out for me? Oh, yeah, I've got this. Well, if, yeah, I just want to see it, yeah? Um, you know, I've got a couple of kids or, you know, we want to buy that house. We, can you just map it out for me how we're going to do this, yeah? And as soon as we see that it's not mapped out, the person will realize that they potentially need help because I, I say that most people are running their, their, their finances like trying to build a five or six bedroom home. Yeah. With no plans. Like literally they're rocking up to the job site and just going, hmm, this timber will fit here. Yeah. And make try. you can't do that. Yeah. And, to, and, and for me, and this is like, obviously I'm swimming in it, but you know, your, your finances is a massive, massive part of your life. Probably, you know, health and, and wealth are like the two biggest ones in a capitalist society. We need to nail both of these. It's not an option. You know what I mean? Like you need to nail them. So um, the discussion I think needs to be started with, can you just clearly articulate what the game plan is? Yeah, we're in this together. And can you map this out for me? And if the answer is no, I can't map it out, or you don't have clarity or confidence that that is what's going to achieve, hey, babe, do you reckon that it might be good just to get some second set of eyes over this? Yeah, and then reach out. Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, I, I think a lot of people don't really 
have those conversations at all. And it, it's hard to lie against the numbers. Like if you do, if you do, if you don't have the plan and mapping it out seems like oh, I'm not sure how to do it, then great. Or if they can, at least then they've probably got it in front of them to go, yeah, there's definitely an issue. Few gaps here. Yeah, yeah like we can gaps, see yeah. that we're not saving money each year. How are we not when I'm earning this amount? Like how are we how do we not have money? Something must be wrong. And it's probably like I think it's just a lot of people probably mm-hmm. just avoid the conversation, avoid the like really diving deep into it and wanna stay in the yeah, the the nice graceland of their mind of like everything's nice because I'm earning however much I'm earning. I'm I'm doing great. I'm awesome. Life's life's great. I don't want to admit anything's wrong. And, and you said, and I, oh sorry, Joe. But I was just going to say another big thing that came to mind as well too is just um around business owners as well too. I think a bigger biggest one as well too is I want you know business owners that are watching or listening to to know this. Yeah, what's the number? And I'm referring to profit here. So what's the profit number that you need to earn to achieve all of your life's ambitions? What is that? Okay. And if you don't know what that number is, you don't know what you're aiming for. Simple. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the one that you think it may be. Yeah. What's that number that you need to earn to live the life that you want? And it needs to be crystal clear. Because that is what then you should be aiming for as a business. Yeah, not the revenue number, not the amount of staff you've got, not the amount of products that you sold or whatever it is. It's that number. You are in business to make money. I can tell you, even non-for-profit organizations are there to earn money. Yeah, we need to make sure we understand what that number is. And then that number needs to be facilitated to your personal wealth plan. So that at one point in time, you're sipping pina coladas in the Caribbean and your money is just continuing to flow in. Yeah. And I think, Jane, from the business point of, business owner point of view, and I think a lot of coaches that mm-hmm. would be watching this because we do have a lot of coaches, a lot of, a lot of people that start a business want to get into it because they want to have freedom. They want to have like this thing that they get to do what they love doing. And then even on the tracking and metric side, let alone like once it starts leading to money in your bank, people don't like tracking. You know, mm-hmm. I, like I, every single program I've, I've been in and even my own, mm-hmm. always such an emphasis on tracking the numbers, getting the numbers right so that we can really make sure we are hitting the goals. And I think a lot of people... Yeah, you know, still, it takes a while to really understand that. Yeah, you, know, you hear it all the time, but it's not necessarily something that people really think about and go, oh, "This is something I really need to do." I mean, we had—I remember we had one client that asked me um, about six months ago because we had a, a really big month, and she asked, "You know, what happened? Like, h- how did how did this come about? Describe it to me." And I said, "Honestly." nothing else different but we went back to what we were tracking and we made adjustments that we thought needed to be made like we just did more volume on the things that we knew were going to move the needle more that was it didn't change anything about how we were doing we just started being able to do more volume and it's like i suppose in this way with someone's finances once you do get it mapped out 
it is just someone there being able to say, hey, we just need to do this tweak, this tweak, this tweak, this tweak. And you're there in three years, five years, 10 years. You know, and I don't think people want to do that. Yeah, spot on. You talk about coaches and I see it all the time. It's like, you know, um, I want to hit $10,000 a month. Yeah, and and obviously they have revenue numbers. Yeah, and I couldn't care less. Like personally myself, we don't even care about the revenue number. Yeah, it doesn't have, it's insignificant to us. Yeah, Um, we've got other metrics and obviously one of those metrics is profit and profit first. Okay, that's like the main thing. If you've got a healthy, thriving, profitable business, everything else, funnily enough, falls in its place, okay? And we need to do that. And I think the other thing as well too is for these people that are maybe doing these, measuring all of this stuff, tracking, when it gets to the profit number, what are you doing with it? Plus it's tracking it as well too, Joe. It's around, what are you doing with that profit? Oh, we've reinvested it. As soon as I hear reinvested it, I'm like, okay, cool. We've got problems here. Yeah. And people that are watching are probably flabbergasted behind this. But didn't you go into business to bet the one point in time, stop trading time for money? Well, you better be using that to personal wealth or else you're never going to be sipping Peter Colitis in the Caribbean. I can assure you that. Yeah. We need to be making sure we have a wealth plan and, and, it's, and it's crucial. It's, it's critical. And for the people that realize it and the people that do it, their lives are changed forever. So do, define that a little bit more for me because I know that there's probably some people that are listening to that going, what do you mean I shouldn't be reinvesting back into my business? Like mm-hmm. I, the way that I kind of interpreted there was, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you hear that, it's typically, you know, I'm just not, I'm not putting any money in my pocket. And it's probably something that a lot of people say to kind of justify that, right? I'm reinvesting in the business because I, I, this is the way I'm going to earn more. Aren't you just feeding the beast? Just take a moment. Aren't you just feeding the beast? Yeah. That profit that you've got, yeah, is yours. That's why you're in business. Yeah. It's yours. No one else's, not the businesses. It's not the reinvent. It's yours. Yeah. And as your revenue is dropping in, you've got a certain amount of for expenses and your profit. Your profit should not change. Yeah. If anything, it should get more and more, you know, more and more, not, not less and less. Yeah. If you're reinvesting, you're reinvesting back into expenses and therefore dropping your profit margins, making it a worse business. Yeah. Guys, we need to start thinking outside of this. Now, it's, it's, it's very different to a lot of the ways that pro, uh, traditional people use business. Just for people to know, um, for a very, very small handful of clients, I work with them in business, in business coaching. Okay, So handful of clients, I don't kind of take on everyone. Um, just for people to know, I am a qualified financial advisor, but I'm obsessed with business. Been over to Stanford University over in California, worked with you know, some of the best consultants around the world in regards to you know managing businesses and strategic leadership and um, really taking a passion of it. And I can tell you, everything I'm telling you today is what the greatest businesses do. Yeah? Greatest businesses. I'm not talking about Joe Blow's plumbing gig that's, you know, just employing 15 staff and not making a profit. We're not talking about that. We're, I'm, I'm trying, to sh- trying to today tell you what the best businesses do, okay? And that why you do this as well is your business, if you get it to this point and your personal finances to this point, you will also weather the storm. Think about it. The last couple of years, kind of post-COVID, money's come into the market. Everyone's doing what they need to do, Yeah. 
when recessions hit and when hard times come, okay, you'll see who's swimming naked. Okay, they say when the tide comes out, you'll see who's swimming naked. Okay, yeah, this is why this needs to be done. In good times, everyone can make money. In bad times, only the good businesses and the people who have managed their personal finances will swim through. And that is what creates the greatest wealth divide between the rich and the poor. Because the rich keep getting it right, yeah? And the poor, one foul swoop, and they get pushed behind 15 years. And, and I'd say that's probably a very relevant thing in, t- in terms of the times we're coming into over the next one to three years, I would, I would probably say. So I'm very curious to see how that's going to pan out. Hopefully this is a little bit of a wake-up call for someone. I wish I could have heard something like this and and really heard it, not just listened to it, actually heard it and, you know, heeded the word and, and taken that and maybe avoided the mistakes that I could have avoided earlier on in my business. For yourself, John, and AFA Group, and mm-hmm. your other adventures. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know that you've got um huge, huge plans. Mm-hmm. What do you wanna what's the difference you wanna make in 15, 20 years time through the work that you're doing now? Yeah, so um really at the moment the business's focus is really on helping um you know improve people's finances and, and help them to achieve their goals and aspirations. Like, yes, we can kind of sugarcoat the way that I say that, but ultimately the clients that entrust us with their financial future, we want that to come to life. Yeah? And that involves, you know, clear planning, accountability, coaching um, and education. But after doing this for so long, Job, I've really found a passion in education, okay, and financial literacy and in Australia and across the world, there's a, a major lack in financial literacy, okay? It's like, where do you learn this stuff from? Where do you actually, you know, what book can I read? And obviously, the books can get you only so far. Um, you really need that that coaching, okay? So, my passion will lie in the, in the educational space and the financial literacy space. And, and in my role as national practitioner chair of the Association of Financial Advisors, um, me and that association are working with financial advisors across the country to how do we build programs to roll that out across, across the country, okay? And as you can see, this is not, this is not a money grab job. This is a passion. This is, um, you know, it, 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 I feel very saddened when I hear about the divide between the rich and the poor. And, you know, it's something that in Australia we hasn't, haven't really experienced a lot of. We've had a lot of that middle class. We haven't had the mega rich and the mega poor, but, you know, that's coming. So, you know, I think in 15 years, I'm really going to be on the forefront of financial literacy in Australia and pushing it, you know, pushing the boundaries in regards to government and advocacy and all of those things, um, but also working with schools across the country as well too in regards to the education system and, and really starting through a ground roots program and building that across the board. Yeah, I love that a lot. I remember, you know, we, we were talking recently around the work that you love to do with clients and how much that can then flow on to their children afterwards, mm-hmm. like the, the whole flow on effect of, you know, that if their parents get to start sharing this stuff with their kids, the kids don't have to experience the same. They can get started early. There might be the, there might be the next John Casher out there that gets to start at 14 years old and is um, set by the time he's 28 and gets to focus on what he loves doing and, and helping more people. I think if we have more people, you know, in work, like that and have the passion that you do, I think will be a really well-off society. But 
we went from here where if someone was curious about learning more about how you might be able to help them um just getting some help with financial literacy where can they do that yeah so the the first place that most people are, are catching their catching me is on instagram um so if you want to jump on instagram it's just the handle at the john casher so T H E J O H N C A C H I A, and you'll see me on Instagram a fair bit. I, I try and share some really good insightful tools and some insights about the world of money, and, and share some tips and tricks about you know how to kind of you know level yourself up, and obviously the business as well too, um, which you can go to now. There's um, the two websites of JohnCasher.com.au, uh, which is my personal kind of website, but also the businesses one, which is um, AFA Group Wealth com.au uh, which they can find out on there but i'm sure um hopefully uh, my team has done well even if you just type my name into google i'm sure you come up i think there's another uh, i'll come up i think there's another john casher who's who was a treasurer in malta um who comes up but um i do look a little bit different if i do look alike please help me out job i think i gotta get back onto the onto the treadmill or something right. <laughs> well thank you very much for coming on man i, I appreciate you sharing everything you just did uh, thanks for having me, mate, and, and always uh, willing to share and, and help promote financial literacy across the country.